When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to your Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Meh. Textual healing. Okay, so um, we have a, a new article just to discuss this week. Uh, I, want, I want to first tell you that the URL of the article that Elliot sent us, which is apparently his new favorite blog, is garbageday.email. <laughs> Dot email. Dot um, email. I didn't even know that wasn't available. I, I had no idea either. I'd never heard no, of it. No, that's because I sent it to you from my from the email newsletter. But oh, okay. it's, this, it's this guy, Ryan Broderick, who's like a he kind of writes about the internet. And he's yeah. he's really, he's really um he's been around for a long time and he he just kind of catches Sounds everything. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, and and he did, I mean, look, God love him. God love Ryan Broderick. He did a great job, and his article is about um well, sort of a viral event, a uh, Nebraska state senator, Bruce Bostelman, gave a speech in the, the Nebraska legislature about some rumor he had heard that school children were dressing up as animals, cats and dogs, <laughs> meowing and barking, and then defecating in litter boxes housed in genderless bathrooms. And I'm a little shocked, I guess is what I would put it. It's called something called furries. If you don't know what furries are, it's where school children dress up as animals, cats or dogs, during the school day. They meow and they bark, and they interact with their school, with the teachers and that in this fashion. And now schools are wanting to put litter boxes in the schools for these children to use. How is this sanitary? I'm going to have a discussion with CEO Smith about this. This is something I think how can schools allow this to happen? I think it's very disruptive within the school system. I think it's very disruptive within the classes. I even heard from one person here recently said that a, that a, that a student identified as a cat and wanted a litter box, and the school didn't provide the litter box, so the student went ahead and defecated on the floor. Really? Really? School administrators, what is going on? Nebraska Department of Education, what is going on? State Board of Education, what is going on? If some kids can't wear American flag to walk through the school on their shirt, and you keep them out of school, and you kick them out of school, but it's okay if, if they wear a cat costume, and that's fine, and you have a litter box for him, and that's fine. Uh, so the author of the story, um, Ryan Broderick, 
does his best to trace the roots of this obviously nonsensical story. And it all started with some untruths posted on either 4chan or Facebook about a, f- a school refusing to supply litter boxes and bathrooms, <laughs> uh, which in turn got picked up by the New York Post. A couple weeks later, a separate event occurred where some furries helped crowdsource money for a library in Arkansas that was refused funding for containing LGBT books. From there, the two were sort of conflated and it spiraled and it spiraled subsequently. And now recently a gubernatorial candidate tweeted, quote, the furry, the furry days are over when I'm governor. That was uh, oh my psycho in Georgia. Um, so from there, the, the, furry, the furry panic has spiraled all over TikTok, Reddit, and some very right-wing uh, enclaves. You know what this reminded me of? Like, I don't know if you guys ever really experienced this, but like in the 90s, but um, they, they, whenever they would talk about anti-gay stuff or there would be like some sort of anti-gay thing, they would bring up, Nambla, man, what is it oh, called? Sure. Yeah. You know what I'm talking the, the about? The national, the something American, North American Man Boy Love Association. Yeah, right. yeah, and they would always bring. It was like, especially in 2004, I remember during the whole marriage thing, like when George W. Bush was pushing the um, amendment to the Constitution for marriage, and then all these states were doing it. They would always bring that up, and I always was like, that's so laughable because that's not. That's, that's not what being gay is. That's, that's what being a, But they, they were trying to paint that. Exactly. And this course, what this, that's what this feels like to me. Well, I was yeah. actually going to say this, what this reminded me, I, I feel like, I mean, I've definitely heard that that connection made before, Alan, you're absolutely right. But I feel like- I know I from am. The two, from the 2000, you know what? In that case, I take it back. You're wrong. <laughs> from the 2000s on, uh, the right wing was a, a little bit more moral and, and humanist about it. They they would only compare gay marriage with marrying animals, animals and, bestial- right. and bestiality. Yeah. And that was a really What's common next? Throw. You're going to marry your dog? You're going to marry your dog. Well, this, you're going to marry a box turtle. Yeah. yeah. And this was a lot. I mean, this was essentially tied to like trans panic. They were right. they were really kind of using this story, even though it's a non-story. It's, it's, it's uh, a sort of lore combined chaotically combined from separate events on the internet brought into like GOP politics, but they're basically using it to equate furries and gender, um, gender roles in children. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're basically trying to connect those two things. They're making like furries and litter boxes into like the next step beyond children having the opportunity to, you know, decide their own gender or consider whatever hormones or surgery mm-hmm. or just, or just the, just the actual, you know, the, the the trend of, of kids being yeah. you know gender gender um, non-binary or whatever them that is the thing the they're trying to connect it. here it's the queer booking <laughs> yes it's what it is yeah. it's like it's them trying to get votes trying to remain relevant while at the same time go viral and get lots of followers and what's the way to do that have insane insane theories in order to rile people up just like what happened during the 2020 election with Trump and talking about fraud in the election. Let's just go out of all these conspiracy yeah. theories and really blow people. And and there's a great New York Times article today, actually, about that, about how we were, people were so influenced by these these kind of stories that are absurd. Yeah. I don't really I mean, understand Then how... again, the, the New York Times is a little left of Lenin. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, Ellie, go I ahead. Keep the gate too. Yeah, right. I just don't really, un- I, I still have a trouble understanding how computer literate people, you know, people who were at least alive in some sense of the digital era, 
could be could fall like when you when any of us go onto a website that's clearly <clears throat> like a like a not a fake site but like Porn. you know it's meant to be propaganda no no it's meant to be propagandist you can tell that the website is when it's called like you know the virginian or not even yeah. that's not even yeah, right. yeah, yeah. when it's like yeah. you know the talker, you know, the big talker. And it's like, this website looks like shit. Like yeah. you can deduce that this is yeah. either clickbait or false or it's janky. But I'm surprised that so many people were so easily influenced by that kind of thing in terms of, you know, the 2020, but also uh, this. I, I I also think this is, I mean, any, I mean, as, as always, I'm going to blame it all on social media, but like we have all of these conversations now with regularity on the podcast just and in real life that I think are proxy conversations, whether it's about um, conspiracy theories or the spread of, uh, uh, you know, Trump's lies or, or uh, news stories that undermine democracy. It's all about, or, or um, uh, vaccine hesitancy. It's all about access, which is on Facebook I would say solely and exclusively because no no one reads Twitter. This is all because of Facebook. And we keep, you know, we keep spinning our wheels understandably because articles like this are, are so silly, but also a little dis, you know, disconcerting because you're like, I don't want large swaths of maybe not large swaths, but I don't want any American to believe something this farcical, but I really shouldn't be mad at them. And I shouldn't be mad at, the post for picking it up, I should be mad at Facebook for weaponizing the spread of this kind of garbage and, and making it seem, making it so easy to digest. And you can be mad at the post though. The post has a responsibility in this. There is a journalistic responsibility involved in, in narrating a story or writing a story while reporting on the actual facts of what's being said, while at the same time calling out that there is no justifiable evidence of any of this perfectly fair and and the new york post does not do a great job of putting that there's no evidence of this at the top of their article they do it at the very bottom when no one and people have stopped reading when people stop reading it does also remind me of in the 2016 election i remember this really pissing me off because it speaks to what elliot was talking about how you know when hillary and bernie were sort of in the primary together and and there was this one website that was very pro Bernie, very anti Hillary. And it was it was built to sort of look like a news site. And it was sort of like a liberal news site. It was made to come off, but it really was just propaganda for Bernie Sanders. And people would share articles from it. And they would have numbers that would just be skewed because, you know, of course, be skewed in in favor of their opinion, not rather, you know, actual numbers. And I remember it just in fury. I remember I was covering Bernie Sanders, the primary in, in Pennsylvania for Vice. And people would be quote would be showing me numbers from this website, and I'm like, well, this is this is a political website that is, is you know is is, is not real bias. It's not real. Yeah. It's you know these these numbers aren't real, and they would believe it. And I'm thinking that this is a problem both on the left and the right. This Absolutely. is a huge problem on both sides. And Facebook is a large culprit of it because people would be sharing those articles where on Facebook. Facebook, yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. yeah, it's also well, well, it's also yeah. so so boomer heavy too. It feels that's what I mean. Where I'm like people but our these were age. Kids. Like, these were our these are kids our age. Yeah. Like Bernie Sanders supporters mm. our age who are sharing these 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 articles. Yeah. Of so I feel oh, like it's across so the board, not just boomers. I I think Elliot was saying that for for something like this, this is probably I would bet an article about oh, kids yeah. using litter this boxes is probably appealing to boomers across the country. Only a fifty not not to be ageist. 
but only someone maybe a little bit older is going <laughs> to believe that, that a kid's going to go squat and deliver. Oh, you. I mean, how funny is that, though? That's really funny. <laughs> it is very funny. <laughs> oh, God. I love I love anything furries. I do, too. Have oh, you ever met a furry? so funny to me. No. I, I almost said, dated I a furry. Kind of... Oh, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah you a furry or just like a puppy play person? He was a furry. Oh wow! I dated a puppy play person too. That was. Did they come? Did, did they come in the suit? No. Come in the suit? Well, they they like to all say that they're not into. It's not a sexual thing for them, but oh, like okay. it's a it sexual is. thing it for is. them. With the guy that in, in college, uh, the kid who lived in the dorm room next door, he was like just coming out. Was also kind of like a cool hipster skater dude, and I put together over time that he was a furry. It took me time because oh, okay. I had to kind of put together. The, because I realized that like he would wear this like country bear jamboree shirt that I thought was cute. But then he also had like a picture in his dorm room that was like um like a hot like chimp. And then like okay. sheets and then like wait, a hot chimp. Like a muscular chimp. Yeah. And then I and I was like, there's so many like anthropomorphic things in his clothing and his yeah. and it all came together. And then I years later not years later, but eventually I put it together when MTV had that true life. I'm a furry thing. Is he on it? He's not on it. But then I looked through his f- Facebook and found furry costumes. Oh, oh got it. Yeah. <laughs> do it. Not even joking. Our guest today, so fun. Tona Tew, welcome. Hi. Hey. You are having quite a moment. You're on ABC's Promised Land and Peacock's Angeline. Yes. It's really exciting. <clears throat> that, of course, bears the question, have you met the real Angeline? Wait, uh, wait, real quick. Uh, like, do should we explain what Angeline oh, is? Oh, good call. Uh, sorry, sorry, Tona. Uh, Alan, maybe, or, or Tona, you can explain Angeline. Yeah. You know For better. sure. Um, Angeline is a Los Angeles icon who is the original influencer. She is famous for being famous. Uh, in the <laughs> 80s, she had over, she had about 200 billboards all over the city with just her name and a phone number with no. which to contact her and some salacious pictures. She was like um, a video vixen, right? Music videos? She, she started doing videos. Um, she did a couple of films, um, a lot of TV appearances. She's anything that you want her to be. So uh, <laughs> she's just and a if, fantasy. She, she, and she if drives around Los Angeles in a pink um, Lamborghini. Corvette. I used yeah. to see her every single day at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf in Hollywood, where she would charge people $50 <laughs> for a headshot from the trunk of her car. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm charging $50 for a headshot now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I see, Brent, Brent thinks that's ridiculous. I think it's genius. Yeah. I think it is. I'm not a fan. So smart. It is, I, it is genius. I mean, I remember years ago I was doing a show with my friend Brian and we wanted Angeline on and we met her at the coffee bean on Sunset where we had to buy yeah. like a hundred dollars worth of stuff from the back of her trunk of her car. And she agreed to drive her car into the parking lot of the show as the entire audience was leaving so that they could buy stuff from the trunk of her car too. And everyone yeah. was so <laughs> excited. It was probably the most fun an audience had leaving a show. She, she created her own myth. That's that's yeah. what's genius about it. She created her own myth by by essentially saying, "I'm in demand. I'm worth your money." And yeah. so people were like, "Okay, like it's it's a it's it is really thought provoking." But if you think but, about uh, it, I mean, what's the what's really the difference between an Angeline and a Kim Kardashian? Yeah, you know? nothing. There is, there is none. No. I mean, celebrity culture is 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 creating. 
uh, desire and creating scarcity for this one singular product, which is I. Yeah. But the, one, the, the thing that's great about Angeline is that she didn't need that famous name or, or sex tape or anything like that. All she needed was these mysterious billboards, which is why yeah. she's the mysterious LA billboard queen. Like she just needed these mysterious billboards and for people to be like, what's that? And then to drive around, to literally just drive, <laughs> drive around, around in a pink car and people would freak the fuck out. Now, Tana, you, yeah, sorry. you have, in, what I love about in the show is that you, you age over the years. How, how much fun, how much fun was it working on Angeline, first off? It was a blast. I had a really good time. Um, when I got the scripts, I fell in love with the story that they were creating, this idea that uh, we get to construct whoever we are in this world and we're not shackled to the narrative that we inherited or the given circumstances that we inherited right yeah and that's nothing different than what actors get to do uh, and queer folk get to do all the time yeah right because we separate ourselves from our families or maybe we don't like uh some of the circumstances that we're born into um so when i got to read that i just i knew that i needed to be a part of the project and uh getting the opportunity to see myself as a silver tapatio daddy was uh, yeah. <laughs> you had quite a transformation they did. i mean how long was the makeup process for you to like become old and did it give you a complex into what could happen in your future i mean i put it on my uh dating profile just to be like invest mm -hmm. now yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um but no it was it was about an hour and a half oh wow uh, to do the whole face um and then we did some makeup on the arms um for the close-ups yeah wow. wait i cut you off earlier uh did you meet angela yeah did you meet her yeah so i have met her uh driving around because i also was a big fan of hers uh yeah. but i have never met her under a work context really okay. not even like she, she was involved with the show right no so i'm not privy to uh what happened in pre-production oh. i am only when i get right bring up brought onto a project i usually just come in for my days and my work yeah uh -huh. yeah. yeah no i can she because yeah she she was there she, she worked with giving her you know her life story, story to, yeah to the project but she wasn't like a producer does that make sense oh wow yeah interesting yeah, yeah. and i mean she also did a podcast with you where she yeah spoke about the show so i did an interview with emmy rossum <laughs> where and it was a very loving interview where she i mean both of us we really fanned out on on angeline and how much we love angeline and how she's the original influencer and we said all these amazing things and the show when you watch the show it's so it, queer it's so campy it's such a love letter to angeline and who she is and like how a badass feminist she was and well, the real Angeline then was went not a fan DMs and immediately was like, I need to talk on the record. Yeah, she, okay. uh, <laughs> she had some choice words. And yeah. I think honestly, because if you when, when you watch the show, um, she doesn't want anybody else to play her. Yeah, no, of course. You no. Know? And so it is the most Angeline thing for her to come on and, and, and talk about the show in the way that she did. I think it was perfect. Hey, you and I were messaging. I, I, wait, wait, I, I couldn't agree more because we're talking about, we're talking about a vapid, ridiculous person, in my opinion. And you're, Alan, you're very generously as ascribing all of these powerful meaningful things and of course she wouldn't give a fuck about that yeah. because that's not what matters what matters is where's my billboard bitch and she's <laughs> not on a billboard for peacock so yeah. i mean it's so funny mad. as soon as i got the whole angeline thing i literally messaged tona immediately being like oh girl oh girl oh girl <laughs> i was so gooped and gagged that i was listening to the interview while i was showering on my way to another job i was like oh god and then she said what it was yeah. I mean, she, you have to listen to that interview guys because 
it is like yeah plug it alan it is a it's on the parting shot the parting shot podcast that i do but it is a wild wild ride and what's so amazing about it what tony and i were messaging about was that it is kind of this is of course is what she's gonna do because it helps the show it helps her brand it helps more people watch angeline it helps on so many levels it's it's really just fascinating because it's like we they did the show did her such justice that even the real angeline is performing just like the one in the show would yes yeah it's kind of a the little meta, a meta in that way yeah yeah life imitates art yeah so wild it's so you're also on um promised land on abc which is a big deal it's like the first sort of like like latin sort of soap opera moment happening on primetime television yeah on abc for sure it was uh all latina cast um it was just a blast to work on and i had the beautiful opportunity to work some major legends in the latina world uh cecilia suarez uh john um it was just such a it was a wild ride yeah that must be like because that's prime time money that ain't like that's not like vh1 that is like prime time so like <laughs> alan alan would like to look at your checking account yes, that's what he's getting to do you mind if you send <laughs> i don't mind sending receipts as long as he's investing yeah <laughs> it'll be an unofficial OnlyFans. my but venmo is at telazar no i'm just <laughs> <laughs> no but it's like it's a big deal to have a show of that caliber on like such a big network i mean it's it's that's a big statement, I think, for in a lot of ways. It's also just a fun soap opera, which I want more of those in prime time. I mean, it was a blast. And I think that for me, um, acting is a lot of fun and I really enjoy it, the craft, whatever you want to call it. But oftentimes the my career up to this point, each of the characters that I have is expanding progress in some way. Vida was talking about the gentrification of Boyle Heights, and I really wanted to make a statement about what it means to be femme and also needing to protect yourself in a, in a society like Boyle Heights. Yeah. So one of the dialogue that we had was like, well, why can't a femme person have facial hair? Mm. Right? Yeah. Or yeah. with Promise Line in particular, my approach or my in for this was, oh, cool, we have a, a queer villain who was betrayed by his family. What happens to a person when they have internalized shame and have been betrayed and thus internalized said betrayal and become the betrayer themselves? Yeah, you know, and so it was really just a fun opportunity for me to expand what queer Latinness looks like hmm. uh, on a major platform. On like we were in houses in Ohio, honey. We were yeah, in yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. I mean, the mom in Ohio is scared. She's she's scared when literally I have to t teach my mother where to go to find VH1 to watch something <laughs> that Michael made for Queen of Drag Race. <laughs> My yeah, boyfriend yeah. Michael makes dresses for Queens of She literally has to be like, where do I go? What am I doing? <laughs> I have to look up the number for Spectrum in St. Louis, Missouri. But she yeah. knows that ABC is channel two. Oh my God. Yes, she does. She knows yeah. that. But I mean, so your character is a villain, which like, I feel like a lot of times, especially like queer film historian people will be like, we've always been, queer characters are always made out to be the bad guy who either dies in the end in a tragic way or like does something bad. I've always loved a gay villain. Like I, oh, yeah. I, I fuck. Like I know I learned that it was probably like a homophobic trope back in the day. Like that's what they did for a lot of characters, queer characters, queer lesbian women. vampires, lesbian, right? Yeah, like, Yes, yeah. But I mean, I think it's fun when a queer character gets to be evil, don't you? I mean, listen. I personally love it because I get to do things that I can't do in real life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved on like a Melrose Place. I was so pissed when that fag on Melrose Place never cut anyone in the back or never like. <laughs> 
didn't no. I mean he was always sort of just like Wait, Melrose Place like, had a gay character? Oh yeah, it was like the first well first gay kiss on television or something where like, oh. they didn't even yeah, that's right. They didn't even kiss. They built it like they were gonna kiss, but then they did this. They were like <laughs> Oh not that. Yeah, you like you you didn't quite see the kiss. I was pissed. And I just wanted I was to like, I was more of a party of five ho, but uh <laughs> <laughs> she still is in certain bathhouses. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love a gay villain, don't you? I think it's yeah. I think it's I think it was fun. I mean, I wish uh, I wish we had the opportunity to do more sinister stuff, yeah. but uh I think we we had a, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. So what, Wait, so, what? so so where are you from? Where are you from originally? You're from LA? Tell us about your background. Yeah, I was born in uh Boyle Heights at Memorial Hospital. Oh. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, so just uh just right outside and weirdly enough when I did Vida uh, we had a park scene and we filmed that park scene where I learned how to ride a bike. Oh, wow. Oh. That's so Vita is, was just for our listeners was a great series on stars, right? That's correct. Yeah. And it, it, I think it ended last year, two years ago. Uh, I think season three aired 2020. Oh, wow. So it was yeah. like a pre pandemic show. But you know those two years we all disassociated from. Yeah, so yeah right. Yesterday. Yeah. Basically, yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. kind of that must have meant a lot to be doing a show like 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 that in the area that you were born and raised in. Like that's kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah I've had a lot of fun serendipitous moments like that with my career. Really? Um, yeah. Well, Vina was one example of that, um, and it was really great because uh, we did a warehouse esque, you know, party of Ospenhof type of yeah uh, scene in the in the show. And uh, Tanya Sriracha did a really great job of like showcasing what queer LA life looks like. Mm. And I remember going to a, a type of queer warehouse party like that here in LA and somebody came up and was just like, I'm so glad to see that you're actually one of us. Yeah. You know? Wow. And meanwhile, I'm smoking a yeah. cigarette like, yeah, girl, yeah, same. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Get out of my trailer. <laughs> no, not that. No, no, no. Security. <laughs> I do want someone to do a show about queer life where it's just like, me standing in the aisles at Gelson's, like snacking on food I shouldn't, I haven't paid for yet, and I see, <laughs> and I see, like, salad and I see some sort of like dude who was a gay guy on a show, like on Grey's Anatomy the night before, and I'm like, yeah, he was on Grey's Anatomy the night before, and that's it. That's like that's my that's whole scene. That's that's, that's the actually area. the show. Is just little vignettes of me talking oh. about like, about gay people. It'll be and called Gelson's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How closely did you work with Tanya Sriracha? I know she's quite prolific um, as a writer director but also as a queer person i knew her when she worked on looking um we yeah. crossed paths uh, did you work closely with her yeah she um so so the way i all most almost all of the castings that i've had up until this point have been weird stories um this one i was working at echo theater company in a play um where i was the only mexican drag queen at a filipino <laughs> uh lady boy massage parlor oh my god the only one <laughs> the only one she's trying to fit in with her calabayan sisters and uh tanya uh came to the the night before closing and was just there watching a couple of her friends who were in the play mm. and uh she messaged me on instagram and said that she wrote me a part oh wow oh my god yeah and and you know of course like you hear those things and i'm like okay sure what casting couch am i gonna go to <laughs> yeah um but yeah lo and behold you know i did i did the one the one scene and she liked it and, and wrote me into a, a larger role and then eventually turned into three seasons of working with her that's great um, and it's she's fantastic she i she's one of the i what i love about her is that she just says 
she her stories really push pro progress forward mm -hmm. she's yeah. incredibly unapologetic yeah and she's a woman in like in like in her power like you yeah. know she, she's unafraid and i feel like a lot of women get this rap about like i don't know men with soft egos but i love someone who's willing to champion and walk the walk and talk the talk mm -hmm. who's also just does it in a cool way you know what i mean like who does it in sort of a, like i remember when when vita got canceled it was like a big uproar people were pissed that it was that it was taken off the air yeah i don't, I don't think i ever saw a show like that and that, that was something that where i really i saw myself in that show that's the show that needs to be on abc someone called disney period mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well no yeah. so tony you two things i want to talk to you about learn yeah. the words at the beginning of the pandemic this is where i first learned of you was from ah. the words um, and then, of course, you know, mutual friends or whatever. But like you did at the beginning of the pandemic, a it was their first. I think it was Tony's first. Tony Soto, he's past guest on the their first Zoom. Guest for Zoom, amazing. yeah. And yeah. you did an amazing sort of like I don't even know how to explain what you did virtually with your performance. But like the camera moved, like you walked through your apartment. And we like, should ex we should say what Learn the Words is. Oh, oh, Learn the Words is a right? is a, is a lip sync show here in Los Angeles that. It's um. It, the tagline is "Why should drag queens have all the fun?" So yeah. a bunch of queer and they did it on yeah right. Sorry, they did it on Zoom at the beginning of the pandemic, which was yeah. kind of a godsend because it was the chaos of everything. It was a really fun communal thing, and I yeah. I did I didn't know you at the time, but you did the walkthrough the walkthrough video. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Well, I mean, so Tony, so I had done learn the words, bitch, um, since probably its inception. Mm -hmm. um adam silver uh Love adam. created the show and adam and i did a play together in 2015. Mm -hmm. um so i just it was always an outlet for me for those of you who don't know what akbar is it's like a little safe haven for queers on the east side to just come together and yeah freak flags fly and do the disco do some disco you know but um yeah so tony reached out to me and was just like hey sis we ha i need we're gonna try this new thing if you want to do it come through um where it's not going to be, it's like volunteer work, you know what I was like, all right, girl, I have nothing else going on. I actually was on the set of Angeline the day that they announced that the city was shutting down. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, right. It's and right. my face, like the Vida <clears throat> billboard season three was coming out in May. Yeah. So our faces were all over the city. No one could see them. Oh. So for me, I felt so like I've been working at this career and building it and fostering it. And so I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to take off. And then naturally the pandemic happened. Yeah. So when Tony reached out, I was like, I need to do something creative because my soul is dying. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a blast. Creative. I, it was, I don't know if I was co I was the judge that night, I, but I, I was watching and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You were, you were, did you win? I think you won even. I won. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it was. I hope it's archived somewhere because people should be able to see that. That was a good one. I think it might be on my Instagram. Oh, well, there you go. Go to your Instagram. Well, that, that brings up my my last question is your name. So you go, you're like a Madonna. You're like a Cher. You're like a, who's another one name person? I don't know. Uh, uh, Zendaya. I, Zendaya. Zendaya. Angeline. Angeline. Angeline is going to, so how, Valentina. how did you decide uh, to like go by just on a two? So, uh, when I was, when I first grew up, I was born in East LA, right, in Boyle Heights. And so everyone there knew, spoke Spanish, so they had no yeah. problem pronouncing Tonatiu. But when my mom remarried, we moved to West Covina, and the first day of fourth grade, uh, somebody, my teacher was trying to say my name, which she couldn't, and then she looks at my last name, which is Elisa Raraz, 
Oh, wow. so she couldn't say that either. Yeah. And so she's like, who the hell is this? So I raised my hand <laughs> and she said, you know, uh, well, what am I going to call you? Because this is impossible. Yeah. So in that moment, I colonized myself and I changed my name <laughs> to Matt. And I went by Matt for almost You're Matt? Eight, for eight years of my life, pulled it out of the air. Wow. And I even made my family change it. And oh. so when I got to high school, uh, I changed it back to Tona. And then when I got to college, I changed it back to Tona Thieu. And when I decided to be, um, to commit to being an artist fully, yeah. Tonatiuli uh, Sarraz was just a lot, a name. Yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of decided to stay with Tonatiu. Uh, I, I do think it's funny that your teacher refused, even though like all it takes is like two times before you can <laughs> yeah. say it very easily. <laughs> Tonatiu, like that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you, I mean, you, your friends call you Tona, right? It both, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it's so like, funny. It's like, like, no, just learn his name. That's, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's his name. Tona? Be the easier. But even on sets, I mean, uh, not so much anymore, but when, yeah. you know, in different film sets, there are people who just refuse, like, oh, can I call you T? Can I call you Tony? Can I, like, <laughs> oh asking me to make their lives easier, right. oh my, right. my entire identity. How can you serve me? Right. Let me, let me make this easier for me. Make yourself yeah. more accountable to oh, me. That's yeah. so, and what do you say in those situations? Like, I mean... It, it call all those people Matt. Call them Matt. Yeah, call them Matt. one of them. All these yeah. Matts are over here. <laughs> my name. Um, I've said different things in different places depending on the energy that someone brings to me. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll be a little cheeky. I never get offended if people ask me how to say my name. That's not an offensive thing. But when somebody isn't even willing to try. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's when one time I was like, well, the director knows my name and the writer knows my name and the producers know my name, but the makeup artist doesn't want to know my name. The PA doesn't want to learn my name. Like, that's really like, yeah. do you not? Re I, I learned your name. Right. It's not that it's not that yeah. big of an ask <laughs> to yeah. know another person's name who you're going to be working with in some capacity. Also, the fact that you said that you feel their energy, which I think is a really important thing, because like there I will admit there are some times where you get in situations where like you earnestly do try to like pronounce something a right way or do something yeah. the correct way. And then someone comes at you when you're when you are making an attempt to try to do something in a in an affirming way. And so it's nice that you say that, like, if their energy yeah. is good and they're trying to do something good, then you give that to them. You know, you're not absolutely. I mean, yeah. we're I'm not a perfect person by any means. And so I want to extend that same type of gratitude or, or uh, generosity is the word yeah. to another human being. But when someone's coming to try it, like, you know, yeah, well, listen, you haven't seen you haven't witnessed um, someone called Brent Brett. Oh. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's the only time I get I become physically abusive with. It's with real. My name, my, my name is really easy, but because of the H, people fuck it up all the time. They don't know. Mm -hmm. No one knows what to do with the H. They, it's, yeah, it's a very scary H. for them. Helen. Yeah, I, I say call him Helen. Yeah, I get, I get Alan a lot. I get, yeah, I don't mind Alan. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with just Alan. Well, yeah, that's what we call you, Alan. We call you Alan. Yeah, I mean, the name is H. Alan, Alan, and people and people like message me about that. Be like, so do they? Because they call you Alan. So are you H. Alan? Or are you Alan? And I'm like, no, I'm H. Alan. But people can call me Alan. You can call me Alan. Like, it's well, yeah. you'll always be Alan to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of the, it's one of those things. Well, this has been so much fun. Where can people follow you on the interwebs? Yeah, so you can follow me on all socials with I am Donatiu. That's T O N A T I U H. 
And watch Angeline, because I mean, I kind of want to post the picture you posted of you in the old makeup as you for this episode, because it is. Oh, it's already it's on your it's on his Instagram. Yeah, it's for on. Sure. Instagram. I know, yeah. but I want to post it on our Instagram, Ellie. Oh yes, yes. Do it before well, you can't have it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do it before and after. Yeah, I'll. Take yeah, we have a twink and twas. I'm gonna do the thirstiest <laughs> photo of you next to the oldest photo of you. That's what I'll do. I'll do it side by side. It'll be wonderful. Like Thank that. you so much, Tony Tio. Thanks. Yeah, Thank my you. And another thing. So I've been watching uh, the Real World Homecoming, I believe it's called. Have you been watching or jerking off to it? Yeah, good question. Why are you jerking <laughs> off to it? Because of Danny, who we're talking about. Oh, no. well, that was, I mean, okay, so I'm, I'm watching oh, it. If, if you like, recall from a recent episode, Elliot never masturbates. He thinks it's incredibly <laughs> no. gauche. No, let me, I have to explain. So first and foremost, I'm watching the Real World Homecoming. Mm -hmm. They are now doing the New Orleans season. Which, which had Danny Roberts, and I'll, we'll talk about him in a second. Right. But the, they've gone a few, they've done a few seasons. They did New York, they did LA. I but the Miami? Jumped, no, which oh. is like, come on, do Miami. I need you Miami. Know? Mm. Me too. But, um, that one. but they're doing New Orleans, which- uh, Miami has a lie I say all the time. I'm sorry, I have to, the Dan's, was it Dan? Who's like, it yes. wasn't yours to open, you stupid bitch. And I- <laughs> Oh, I remember that line. That yeah. sentence is in my head at least weekly. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful, awful for the guy. Yeah. Um, I think she called him a faggot either before yeah. or after that. Well, mm. it, it, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, okay. Okay, um, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, Danny was on The Real World New Orleans. He was um, a- a, a, a real like I mean even though it was a reality show he was openly gay he seemed to have yeah. like no shame about it he was yeah. gorgeous like stunning but also had a very like chill vibe about chill him. mask and I vibe, he, which hadn't been like represented on tv very much at all and he was dating a military person who yeah. he was dating a military guy. don't tell yeah during don't yeah during don't ask don't tell yeah um and so in watching the show now <clears throat> it's so nice to uh, the reason i love this show i didn't care for the la reunion but the new york and the new orleans one are great because it's so fun to watch a reality show about like adults like they're not chasing um they're not dick. screaming you mean or, at each right, other and, not yeah. screaming yeah it's like calm and it, it's actually it's really just interesting to watch but hear, he of course is particularly did you hear danny's Danny Pellegrino's interview with Danny? No, not yet. Oh, it's I great. Interviewed him. It's great. Yeah, they. He yeah, I got. I got to watch recently. That's on the Everything Iconic podcast. Yeah, Danny is fantastic. Two-time yeah. guest. Yeah, of your that's making right. Course. So I was actually at a party. So we've obviously talked about Danny several times yeah. on the podcast because he did, he really is kind of like you know something of an iconic gay figure quite yeah, frankly yeah. on he tv never really did it for me i never i mean i see why he's gorgeous but he never really was like i never was obsessed with him in a sexual way like so many gay friends. yeah yeah well you were too busy reading books but um <laughs> yeah i mean uh i saw a friend at a party recently and she was telling me all about this season of real what's it called ellie real world a real world homecoming homecoming that's it and you know, I, I was reminiscing with her because I found some episodes of Real World New Orleans, the original, that yeah. are, of course, on YouTube. And I watched a couple. I watched like the first season, uh, the first episode from that season. And uh, it is so funny. Again, it's only 20 years ago, I guess 22 years ago. But it's so dramatic. You know, yeah. Danny enters the house and he goes, I have a secret. I'm not telling you. And every, everyone's like, what is it? What is it? He's like, I can't tell you. And, <laughs> and, and, and then like, eventually he's like, I'm gay. 
And it's just, it's so overdone. And uh, I mean, but understandably, because I mean, that was it really was a different yeah. era. And yeah. uh, the other thing that, you know, sort of um, when you reflect back, uh, think about yourself watching this when you were in high school was the the sto- the storyline that he had with the military guy that was like so tortured. It was I was obsessed with watching the episodes where he visited because it was he seemed hot. The mil- the mystery man seemed hotter to me than Danny. So uh, I'll tease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard from a uh, my friend who watched Homecoming that the they showed the military guy in real life and he yeah. is not hot. <laughs> oh, he's um, very well, that like Danny. Then yeah, yeah. He well, it's not that he's not. It's not that he's not hot. It's it's that he has returned. He returns onto the show, and he looks like a burlesque performer like a male burlesque performer like or maybe like a female (laughs) like kind of like a mustachioed lady kind of thing like Uh where it's like oh wow he's like he's fully transformed like he's Uh he's living it just so you know elliot we support mustachioed (laughs) ladies on this podcast sorry i just mean it's like it's not the i guess it's not like the the the, like fantasy soldier that alan had that i also had too that i also had he seemed sort of like there was i don't know he seemed he was just terrified yeah so yeah and also i mean in that moment it was so wild to also think back what that transposed to us as like closeted or not closeted queer kids back then that like this guy had to be have his face blurred out like year was that i forget 99 2000 i think think, yeah sorry the point i was getting to was that uh again as an adult when you look back on you know two 19 year olds having this tortured lover love affair you're like oh they had known each other for like two months before (laughs) before this and yet i was like oh they're gonna get married and and they'll spend their lives together and they're so tortured and then like in reality you're like oh they barely knew each other and they probably hooked up like four times and then danny left to do real world you know about how wild that is though to like agree to do that in that era mm-hmm. like that's insane very much about to, yeah. to, to, well to, even now on the show danny's like i can't danny almost like regrets it he's like i yeah. can't believe i can't believe we did that i he even says like i didn't think about don't ask don't tell he's very uh uh he's very eloquent and yeah. like uh seems very self-realized he's now a father he's a divorce i think he got married twice or once but he got divorced he adopted his daughter he lives in vermont he's 44 he calls himself a recluse um he's hiv positive and talks about that he's uh he created he created a a message board he talks about how he like did a failed message board but he tried you know where gay guys could talk to each other because there wasn't a safe outlet that was called country to concrete so people in smaller places could talk oh that's that's important that's Yeah, he just, uh, he's just, I mean, everybody on the show is really interesting to listen to, except Julie, who is a monster. Which one's Julie? Which one's Julie? Julie was the Mormon one, Alan. The Mormon. Oh, is she a monster now? A monster. I actually always liked, I always liked her on that show. I wouldn't like her now. Wouldn't like her now. Wait, wait, and explain that, though. Why is she a monster? Uh, Because it's very, it's very quickly revealed that she said some terrible things about Danny that were homophobic. She said terrible things about Melissa uh she she threw people under the bus so she could get like speaking gigs and has and really chased fame as well and is just such a she's genuinely like a kind of lunatic where you're like she's trying to also she's trying to act it up for tv but they catch her saying that to her husband on the phone it, she's a monster she's so she says she's terrible things about monster she says terrible things about them years ago or 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 recently during the shooting of homestead or whatever it's called 
Homecoming. Um, homecoming. Um, homecoming. <laughs> um, she says stuff about them like <laughs> after the show, but like took, oh, okay. basically took took speaking engagements out, like took money out of their pockets, and and did so in a way that was just like really cunning and who unnecessary. Was, who was hiring Julie to come to their university that, to get a motivation the speech? Yeah. But they all did. They Pedro uh, Pedro uh, Zamora did. They they all yeah. had speaking engagements at colleges. Yeah, they be well, no, that's it was a big deal. They became sort of like. So yeah, but who would do it now? Like that's what I'm saying. Like who's no one? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, they're they're sorry. They're talking. They're talking at the like the past. Okay. But, all right. So they're talking doing... about long ago. Yeah. She said yes. that she said mean things. Okay. I mean. I yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just shitty, and she never. It's it's like you know, basically. I mean, it all comes to roost, and, and she never apologized on the show on Homecoming. She apologizes now, but it's it called takes Homestead. a lot of like. Homestead, uh, homecoming. I'm confused now. <laughs> Yellowstone. No, she's she's uh, <laughs> with Kevin Costner. <laughs> she's just truly like she is truly a monster and like yeah. is, is a, like a like an she's an ex Mormon now. She's like a sex positive oh, yoga. Dare oh, but she's she's a lunatic. And you I'm see here her for that journey though. And she yeah, that's really, a fun journey. She, she is the um, she is the sort of punching bag but like by choice she makes herself the punching bag to be to say every possible thing wrong that you could possibly say in honestly, 2022 honestly, she says that's the that's what makes great reality tv someone who's who's just you know what i mean like oh, i know it's great not everyone needs a danny kumbaya moment let's all hold hands and talk about living yeah. in the wilderness and the other thing i was going to say is i actually know someone who converted uh from mormonism to judaism but he's actually really boring so yeah i don't really <laughs> talk about him very much <laughs> Well, for what anyway, for what it's worth, I think it, it, uh, if you are of the Danny era, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, um, and listen and to it, it, Annie Pellegrino's checks. It's really yeah, listen, like it's really good. Yeah, he's just he's just he's really held. He he really is a good example of like coming out, being out, being unapologetic about it, and like making his way through it and coming, yeah. you know, really emerging as an adult with, with a kid and making doing his, his own way thing. through it until he becomes a raging alcoholic in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> Reclusive alcoholic in Vermont. Well, we shouldn't laugh at that. <laughs> What would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? Uh, wh- what was the name of the of the gubernatorial candidate who made uh, <laughs> a tweet about furries? I need a vote for them. <laughs> yeah, I like how you purposely uh, 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 did, not, did not use her name. I feel like yeah, you did I, it on I purpose. Yeah, I did because I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I didn't need to give them too much uh, too I know, much attention. I love it. My aunt Joanne would say, you know, isn't your father a furry? And I would say, no, he's just hairy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. How we, about- we don't we don't mind on the podcast when Lair Lair takes his shirt off. I'll say that much. Go ahead. How about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would probably say the same thing. She would say, I've been a furry for years while well, I'll shave your Uncle Ray's back. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> you guys, you, both oh, of your brother. aunts were very aligned today. Yeah. Yes, they were. <laughs> Geniuses. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Elliot Glazer. I am Brent Sullivan. <laughs> and I am H. Allen Scott. And you can find Alan at Instagram.com slash Mind. You can find me at Instagram.com slash Mr. Brent Sullivan. And you can find Elliot at OnlyFans.com slash Daddy Longleg. Daddy Longleg. Uh, he can wrap it around his shoulder. 